0: Budic podcast starts right now. Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Aspen and Budic show podcast. I'm Jake Asman, alongside Dan Budic and Dan. Fantastic show in store as in the midst of the baseball hot stove, we're going to be joined by ESPN Baseball Insider Buster Olney. And really not a better time to have him. Last 48 hours so many deals went down
1: whether it was Russell Martin is signing with the Blue Jays' big contract, or Giancarlo
0: Stanton, 13 years, $325 million. I mean, that really shocked the baseball world. Largest contract in American sports history. I mean, it's just unbelievable the, the, the money that this guy got to remain with the Marlins, and he can opt out at age 31 and do it all over again. It, it's, a, it's a great contract for him. So it's it's obviously a massive deal and we'll definitely get to that with Buster when we start things off in just a bit but once again Dan we're going to be joined by Buster we got to touch on the latest report that the Yankees might be interested in Max Scherzer you mentioned Russell Martin signing with the Blue Jays you still have John Lester who's out there on the market a lot of big name guys still looking for teams and we'll get to that all with Buster Olney right after this <laughs>
2: You are listening to the Asmin and Budic podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes.
0: Welcome back to the Asmin and Budic show. Jake Asmin alongside Dan Budic, And now joining us on the phone line, you see him everywhere on ESPN, ESPN MLB insider, Buster Only. Buster, thank you so much for coming on. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me. Buster, a crazy
1: couple of days in Major League Baseball offseason. Giancarlo Stanton, 13 years, $325 million to stay in Miami. Is that what it was going to take to keep him as a Marlin?
2: Yeah, and I think the Marlins understood that as they went into these negotiations. And it's been interesting since this deal came down. When you talk to people with other teams, uh, 98% of them are probably saying that the Marlins are crazy for uh, making this kind of deal and making a deal without seeing him bat again after he was hit in the face and have a, had a season ended on September 11th and you know why would you do a deal that has an opt-out clause after the first six years and give no trade protection all the risk is with the Marlins but the Marlins I'm certainly uh, certainly are well aware of the fact that Stanton generally speaking wasn't wild about the idea of staying with a team given its history of trading off players and so the Marlins had to overpay. I really think it's kind of the same situation that the Yankees had with CC Sabathia um, in, in the fall of 2008 where, okay, they knew that Sabathia, generally speaking, wasn't inclined to go pitch for the Yankees, and if they were going to convince him to go there, they were going to have to overpay him, and that's what the Marlins did with Stanton.
0: Buster, was there any concern about the Marlins giving out that contract to Stanton despite the fact that he took that fastball to the face in September? Well, I
2: mean, if there were any concerns, it certainly didn't bear itself out in the negotiations. But that's a question that was asked by a number of people I spoke with, where they were, you know, because they've seen examples of players in the past where it's not only the physical damage that the player recovers from, but it's the emotional damage. And, and if you guys watch uh, the Mets play now with David Wright, you know that's he was crazy. hit. In the face by a fastball from Matt Kane of the Giants, and for you know at least a year, two years after that, if there was a breaking ball inside, you'd see him flinch. And it's not a criticism; it's a you know a natural reaction to a traumatic event. And it's an open-ended question as we go into this. Uh, record-setting contract as to whether or not there are going to be any after-effects for Stanton.
1: As far as Stan's concerned, you know, he mentioned he wants to. I remember during the season he was asked multiple times that he wanted to play on a winning team. Are the Marlins committed to to building a winning team around him now with this 13-year contract?
2: That's what they're saying now. Uh, and when you look at the talent level that they have of young players, um, you know, with Christian Yelich and and Jose Fernandez and other guys, that they, they certainly could contend next year. But let's not forget that their owner, Jeffrey Loria, is is a long history of being impatient and impetuous and he can get frustrated really easily. And that's why, okay, it all feels really good today, but I wouldn't rule out anything within a couple of years. You guys remember it was only two falls ago. We were sitting here talking about, wow, you know, the Marlins are all in. They were the big winners of the winter meetings because they signed Jose Reyes and Mark Burley. And then less than a year later, they were dumping those guys off in a trade. So uh, I do wonder if this is something that, uh, you know, that uh, Loria and the Marlins will stick with or if we're going to have an Alex Rodriguez situation where a few years into the contract, you're going to hear about the Marlins looking to dump them.
0: Now, Buster, another big move that happened yesterday was the Blue Jays signing Russell Martin, almost giving him Brian McCann money. What are people around baseball saying about that move?
2: What they're saying is thats is that they're surprised that it's not the Chicago Cubs that signed Martin because he's absolutely a perfect fit for what the Cubs need now. Chicago's loaded with infield prospects. They got a ton of outfield prospects, but they need a catcher. And Martin is known as being a great leader. He's coming off a season in which he had a 4.02 on base percentage. But I think once the bidding went from four to five years and the Blue Jays are willing to guarantee that fifth year, uh, that at that point, the, the Cubs basically waved the white flag and uh, Russell Martin, a Canadian, goes to Toronto and now the, the Cubs are left to try to go find another catcher.
1: Buster, but were you surprised about the money? $82 million. It doesn't seem that maybe Russell Martin, I know he puts up put up some good numbers last year, is necessarily an $82 million player.
2: It didn't surprise me per se, and I'll tell you why, because... You know, He was, uh, in a lot of the different markets during this winter, like designated hitters, there are a billion designated hitters available. There are a ton of starting pitchers available. Russell Martin was like a market of one. He's the only guy who's considered to be a high-end catcher who's out there. And so if you wanted a major upgrade, you're the Dodgers, you're the Cubs, you're the Toronto Blue Jays, that was the only place you could go. And so it was a seller's market, and I think the final price reflected that.
0: Buster, what were your thoughts on the trade made yesterday between the Braves and the Cardinals with Hayward and Biller? It was, to me, a victory
2: for both teams. Now, I know that Braves fans are really unhappy because Jason Hayward, you know, when he broke into the big leagues, he was the guy who caught the opening pitch from Hank Aaron. He was the the guy who was going to be the star leading into the next generation. But here's the thing. He's a free agent after next year, and I think the Atlanta Braves are asking the same question now that the Cardinals have to ask, which is – what exactly is Jason Hayward as a player? Because he's never been that consistent offensively. His home run production has dropped each of the last two years, so that it's 11. He's a dominant defensive player, but he's been really inconsistent at the plate. Uh, and so you understand why the Braves, uh, in trying to rebuild their young pitching, decided ultimately to trade Hayward. And I think they're going to wind up trading Justin Upton as well. You know, maybe the Seattle Mariners. Uh, for more pitching, and I think from the Cardinals' perspective, after Oscar Tavares um, was killed in that accident, you know they needed to find someone to bridge their gap to the future, and, and uh, Jason Hayward's a great guy to do that, and, and for whatever reason, and I can't give you the exact answer, it always seemed like there was a level of discomfort with the Cardinals with Shelby Miller. Uh, and you guys remember in the fall of 2013 during the postseason, he you know he didn't pitch, yep. and you kind of wondered what was going on there.
1: As far as Shelby Miller going to the Braves, you mentioned restocking their their young pitching. Do you think Shelby Miller is a good fit with Atlanta?
2: Yeah, I do. I think he's someone you bank on. Now, you know when he was coming up through the minor leagues, he was the guy with the electric fastball and he'd blow away hitters. He's not that guy now when you talk to scouts. You know, his stuff is not as, as overwhelming. He actually had a nice run in the second half in 2014 because he uses secondary pitches better. But I don't think he's a number one type guy for the Braves, but I think it at least gives them a swing and miss capability on a staff that mostly has guys who make contact.
0: Buster, what's the latest with Pablo Sandoval? Last we heard the Red Sox were very interested in trying to bring him in.
2: Yeah, I think ultimately what it's going to come down to is will any team separate itself from the San Francisco Giants in this bidding? Uh, I think the Giants, as we've seen, they're willing to pay their own free agents, uh, guys who've had success with a team, whether it's Tim Linsicum or Aubrey Huff or Marco Scudero, you know, better than market value. And I, and I think that they would be, they're going to be really aggressive in trying to keep Sandoval. But I think because the the question's about his conditioning, there's probably a hard ceiling on where they'll go. And I don't know what that number is. My guess is like five years and 80 million. So will the Red Sox go to 100, 120 million at Sandoval? And you can understand why they would have interest because they need left handed hitting and he's a switch hitter. Uh, and, you know, he certainly could, uh, toward the back end of a contract with the Red Sox, he could transition into a DH role. But you do wonder about the consistency of the Red Sox thought, given the fact that it was only a year ago that they weren't willing to pay $100 million to Jacoby Ellsbury. And earlier this year, their first offer to John Lester was $70 million. And now, you know, they're talking about potentially a nine-figure deal with Pablo Sandoval.
1: And we're joined here on the Aspen to Show podcast by ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney. And Buster, we thank you again for taking a few minutes out of your day and joining us. You just mentioned... Uh, John Lester, any news on any new potential landing spots for Lester?
2: Well, he's in the process of meeting with different teams. I know there was a report that, you know, the Blue Jays are interested. I've been told that's not accurate. He is going to meet with the Atlanta Braves. I don't think that's going to lead anywhere. Uh, you know, the Red Sox are interested in bringing him back. I'd say the team to watch is going to be the St. Louis Cardinals. Just keep an eye on the Cardinals because Uh, with Shelby and Miller now being traded and some of the other questions that have popped up with their other pitchers uh, most notably with Michael Walker with his unusual injury you know what John Lester wouldn't be a bad fit at all for that city
0: now Buster before we let you go we want to make sure we touch on some of the local teams in the New York area of course the Yankees and the Mets we'll start with the Mets what do people around baseball think of the Michael Goddard signing we've heard a lot of mixed things from people in the media
2: Most of what I heard from people with other teams is negative, uh, where they feel like that at that age, you know, a 36-year-old player coming off a season which he played in, what, only 49 games, they were surprised that the Mets were willing to give a a first-round draft pick for him. Now, I mean, nobody has a bad word to say about Michael as a person, and when he plays, he's been a good player. But, you know, given his physical concerns, given the fact that his defense has regressed in the last couple of years, I think there was a lot of surprise that they did that. Now, you know, I think if you work in the Mets front office, you're taking this signing as a real plus because they really have their hands tied when it comes to payroll. So at least they're able to add, you know, a, a respected player.
1: Speaking about payroll with the Mets, they have a huge hole at shortstop. Do you see a situation where they go out and bring someone in, or, or is Wilmer Flores going to be the guy going into spring training that's going to have the, the, the lead on that job? Uh,
2: I know that the Mets, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, are looking around for shortstops. And the, and the bottom line is, there are not a lot of great options out there. You know, you could theoretically call the White Sox about Alexi Ramirez. Um, you know, he's being talked by some of the other teams. You could talk about Stephen Drew. Uh, you know, you could try to pry one of the additional shortstops, extra shortstops they have in the uh, Arizona organization, but there are just not a lot of guys out there. So I, I I wouldn't at all be surprised if the Mets open spring training was one of their internal solutions.
0: Now, Buster, a lot of people are saying that David Robertson is looking for Papelbon money. Is there any chance a team is going to be able to give him that big of a contract?
2: If they if that happens, and and boy, we've seen a lot of examples through the years where one team will go far beyond where the other teams were. Like you know a couple few winters ago when the Tigers popped up and gave Prince Fielder nine years and two hundred and fourteen million. Uh, all it takes is one team, but I gotta say I, I'm having a hard time finding that team. I still think in the end, the team that's going to place the highest value on them is the, are the Yankees. Now I, I think that as a, the postseason began, off season began, the Yankees comfort level was somewhere on a multi year deal for Robertson around three years and thirty million. That may be nudged upward. You know, maybe it's like three for thirty six. Um, maybe there's a vesting option built in, but I'm uh, you know, the industry, generally speaking, is veering away from paying closers big money. And right now, you know, that's the the climate in which uh, Robertson's trying to get this $50 million deal.
1: Buster, last couple days, Max Scherzer's name has come into the mix with the Yankees. Any truth behind that? Are the Yankees serious contenders for Scherzer?
2: I, have, I, I absolutely do not believe that's going to happen. I, I think that, you know, maybe the best way to describe uh the yankees right now when it comes to long term contracts it'd, it'd be like talking with someone after they come off an ugly divorce and you ask <laughs> them if they're dating again <laughs> <laughs> because you know they're right now sitting there where you know the back end of the mark to share contract which is playing out in an ugly way they're sitting at the back end of the Alex Rodriguez contract, and I have to tell you guys how that looks right now. Uh, the CC Sabathia contract with the extension that he negotiated, that's looking ugly. They finally, uh, you know, decided last year, look, let's invest in a younger guy in Masahiro Tanaka, and he broke down in the first year. So when you have conversations with people in the Yankees organization, there just feels like there's a distaste for, at this moment, diving into those long term contract waters again, as they say, like someone who uh, you know, just just came off a divorce and you ask them if uh, they're going
0: out with anyone. Buster, thank you so much for a couple minutes of your time. We appreciate you popping on. Yeah, thanks so much, Buster.
2: Sure, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to the Asmund
2: and Beautic Podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.